0: North Carolina won an ugly game on Tuesday night at Pitt. But here's my question. Is this defense rising up to match the offense?
1: You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team
0: every day. Hey there, it's Thursday, January 4th, 2024. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shea, joined today as we are every week by our guy, Coach Bill Robinson, the head men's basketball coach at Milligan University. We want to thank you every dayers in particular for joining us to get your first listen or watch every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. If you're new to the show, if you're a return visitor, welcome in. We're so glad that you're here and that you're back. If you want to be a bigger part of this community, come join our Discord, where we're talking Tar Heels all the time. The link for that is in the show notes. Coming up on the show today, I just want to make you aware, if you didn't hear on Wednesday, but North Carolina football has parted ways with defensive coordinator Gene Chiswick and defensive line coach Tim Cross. We'll talk more about that on tomorrow's show, as well as previewing Carolina playing at Clemson on Saturday. A massive ACC. Matchup, but coming up today, we got Coach Rob with us. So, you know, we're gonna have story time. We want to look ahead at what this win at Pitt means for Carolina moving forward. But we want to start by just letting Coach Rob chime in on this as he described it earlier ugly win over Pitt on Tuesday night. TV Teddy made his great arms crossed appearances. Coach is rolling his eyeballs. Love to always get a coach's take on a uh, a referee and how he likes to show up. But coach, as you watched this game back, what is your biggest takeaway from what Carolina did in Pittsburgh on Tuesday night?
1: Yeah, I didn't get a chance to watch it live last night. Uh, We actually had a, a fundraising event at the UT basketball game. Got to go see the Norfolk state game a little bit and uh, got to watch the whole thing this morning. But ugly wins are better than, uh, you know, the, than pretty losses for sure. Um, it's hard going to that first media timeout looking up and seeing you haven't scored yet. And uh, I've been there, and a couple times you sit there and you look at your guys and they have that look like, oh, my gosh, we haven't – they know. No, nobody's scored yet. And the first thing I always say is, hey, guys, I promise you this, we are not going to get shut out tonight. <laughs> and that kind <laughs> of just to get them to relax a little bit and just, they, they just a little smile and to know that, um, you know, that next shot's going to go down. And there's a lot of times with shooters, you just look at them and they miss a shot and say, next, next shot, next one. So they know the next one's coming. And of course it's, it's just, um, you know, appropriate that, that RJ was one who broke the ice with a tough contested three and, and, uh, and then they got it rolling. So, um, it, it was great to see the defensive effort and, um, it's kind of funny. They, we talk about how great a defense it was, but yet we, we gave up more points against Charleston Southern than we did against Pitt. Um, but they're both wins, and that's all that really matters.
0: Yeah, uh, Coach, it's funny you bring that up about the shutout. That's one of my favorite basketball jokes is uh, when a team scores their first points of the game, I'll just look at whoever's next to me and say, well, there goes the shutout. One day it's going to happen. Somebody's not going to score a point. But seriously, even, even though you know they're going to score, it's, what was it, like 6.40 into the game before RJ hit that three. You miss your first 10 shots. And I know that if I'm a player, I'm freaking out a bit. And I need what, what you just talked about, that your composure as a coach to just trust the process. Um, so you know this well, Coach. How, how difficult is it to keep your composure in that moment where you miss your first 10 shots, you're down 6 nothing, and you're on the road, in, in a hostile environment where you know that Pitt is just trying to make it ugly and dirty, they're trying to get up in you, and the referees aren't helping at all, how difficult is it for a team to keep their composure, to trust the offense, to trust the system? Yeah, I think that's part of what the message has to be, and it's, it's verbal
1: and nonverbal. There's hmm. times when, when the guys are starting to struggle a little bit. They see the officials, and, and they're looking at the coaching staff to see how they react. You know, Are they stressed? Are they worried? Do they have that look on their face when the words come out of their mouth? What is it? And you have to stay positive, and especially early in the game. Just stay positive. Hey, it's going to be okay. We're going to make shots. The calls are good. We're not going to get calls on the road. Period. I don't care who you are. You're just not going to get the calls. So let's play through it. You have to go next play. Forget about what happened. But I do think that's why coaching is so important, and that's why I love Hubert Davis because he's going to keep them positive. He's going to yell at them when they need to, but he's he understands what they what's going on too keep them on, on the right plane that they need to. And uh, they were obviously able to uh, to turn it around offensively. Towards the second, end, of, end of the first half, They they I think they scored, what, 15, 16 points in the last six minutes, that's six right. and a half minutes. So, uh, you know, I think that's coaching that we just can't
0: see on TV. Uh, Coach, the nonverbals you're talking about, it, it reminds me of like when you're – I, I just flew uh, up to New York and back last week, and it kind of reminds me of when you're on an airplane and there's turbulence – I, as a passenger, start white knuckling the seats. But where do you immediately look? To the flight attendants. If they're not worried, I'm not worried. And it's that same thing. You as a coach, the coaching staff provides that level of comfort like, oh, Coach Davis isn't worried, Coach Fred, Coach Page, Coach May, which is still weird to say coach in front of those names. Uh, Those guys aren't worried. Oh, we're good. Let's just play Carolina basketball. And as you said, it eventually wins out. And then Pittsburgh struggling to shoot, and boy, they had a rough night from three. And ultimately, while the offense does get going and still score seventy after not scoring in the first six plus, coach, uh, you talked about that defense, and you know, looking at the Ken Palm numbers. Initially, after the game, Carolina had jumped to eighth at Ken Palm, was 11th in offensive efficiency, but moved up to 25th in defensive efficiency. As we record right now, they're sitting at 26, but that is a massive jump for Carolina's defense. What are they doing differently where this defense is now getting close to matching the efficiency of the offense? Yeah, I
1: think the big thing I saw last night is that everything was hard for Pitt. It was Mm -hmm. hard to get the ball to the post, even when... Uh, of course, we see Hubert wants to do a lot with switching. That's at the modern game. We do a lot of switching as well. But the the guards, when they got on a big fought to get in the front, uh, Hubert said something about it in the post-game post, post uh, game conference or press conference about no easy enters to the post. Everything has to be hard. Um, he talked about the three big things he talked about all the time, is defense, uh, rebounding, and turnovers, just taking care of the ball. But everything seemed hard. Now, they did get a couple wide-open looks early, and I thought, boy, they had hit. Maybe one or two of those instead of being six nothing, it could have been easily 12 nothing or more. Um, that's when I thought I that was the biggest part for me was that Pitt had the chance early to kind of go out there and run away from it a little bit and just didn't do it.
0: Man, yes, absolutely. And that I that was so critically helpful too. Like, for example, Blake Henson was just not hitting, but Carolina. I thought did a good job of being physical with him. We, you know, Coach Pat Kilby and I talked about it yesterday. But Harrison Ingram had the main assignment on him. But as you referenced, there were multiple occasions where Cadeau held his own in the post against Henson. RJ uh, had uh, at least one possession, maybe two, where he held his own in the post against Henson. Where they were, you know, Henson got to double digits, but he needed like 16 shots to get 11 points. I will take that inefficiency any day. Of the week. and coach, uh, let's move from defense to looking at, you know one of the big questions for Carolina as a team in the Hubert Davis era has been the bench. And uh, they needed it in a big way last uh, on Tuesday night because Elliot Cadeau had four fouls. Cormac Ryan got up to four fouls. And I'll tell you what, Coach Seth Trimble has been a revelation lately, back to back double digit scoring games. How important do you see him being to this team and their long-term success?
1: Yeah, the big four all played thirty-plus minutes last night, and uh, you know when it gets to conference play, um, you, you you play your best players as much as you possibly can. Cadeau getting four fouls was was uh, I think three of them were bad calls, and I can say that because I'm not I'm not going to get fined for talking bad about the officiating, but it it was bad. Um, but Seth has played great his confidence is through the roof right now um just the the ability for him to be able to yeah, they list him at 63 we all know he's not 63 but he he plays longer and bigger than he really is because of his athleticism um, but for him to be able to, to to make a three late shot clock for him to be able to get a dunk uh, I think the dunk kind of just enter, it just doesn't energize him it energizes everybody especially uh one his I mean I went back That's the cool thing about synergy. I can just go back and rewind it, rewind it, rewind it. I mean, his chin was at the rim on that one. You know, he just flying through and it just energizes everybody. And it just takes one big play like that. And then everybody plays a little bit harder on the defensive end and everybody wants to get on the floor and dive a little bit. And then it just makes that shot um, maybe a little bit easier to make when when momentum starts
0: to go. Uh, It's a wonderful thing. Well, let's talk about that dunk because that wasn't just the guys being athletes, although that was part of it. That was a beautiful sideline out of bounds play in an after timeout, and ATO type of situation. Coach, you know, you and I have talked about this multiple times, but it feels like Coach Davis just does not get enough credit for his X and O's acumen, particularly on the offensive side of things. And this is yet another example where it seems like this season, Carolina has really excelled in ATO. What did you like about that slob play in particular? Yeah, he's. I love Coach Davis, you
1: know, and just the relationship we've had over the years. But when I really got a chance uh, one time, of course, when he was assistant, when he had more time, uh, just said, hey, can we just come sit down in the office and just talk X's O's sometime? And he, oh yeah, sure. So we sat down and to see his mind, Hmm. Uh, from an X and O perspective and to go through often, and he, and we just had, it was just an hour, but you know, it, it changed my whole view on, on the X and O part of him. We all know he's a great motivator. We know he's a, a wonderful man, uh, loves Jesus, loves these kids. will do anything for them, but to actually sit down and, and see the X's and O's in a way, and we know what's there. So they, obviously that's something they've worked on. They're not running that lob for RJ. Uh, so it was just the <laughs> perfect situation and, and the perfect personnel. And to have RJ to be the one to throw it and, and set the screens the way they did, and it was, I mean, I guarantee you they've got more like that. It's, that won't be the first, the last time we see something like that. Uh, so it was just, I mean, that's what coaching is. It's being able to, to have that moment, to have the personnel in the right places, and then to have the guys be able to execute it. It was just beautiful.
0: And they executed it beautifully. And of course, Pitt played along nicely and uh, wasn't able to get any communication or help defense to uh, cycle back on Trimble to stop the dunk. Beautiful delivery, as you said, from RJ and Love Seth, not only being the trigger man, but then being the recipient of the alley-oop and a great double screen set on the side there from Baycott and Ingram with Cormac Ryan, just playing a little decoy on the opposite wing. Great stuff there and can't wait to see more of that. All right. Coach, so a big win. The first road game of the season means the first road win of the season. It's the third quad one win of the season. Big time stuff for Carolina. So the conversation I want to have next, what does this mean for the Tar Heels as they move forward in ACC play? Right after I tell you that this episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by Game Time. Hey, maybe one of your New Year's resolutions should be to go check out all the best sporting events, theater, concerts, and more around you. Well, thankfully, there's an app called GameTime, the fast and easy way to help you get last minute tickets for any of these types of events. Killer last minute deals, all in prices, a view from your seat feature, and GameTime's best price guarantee. They've got exactly what you need. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets, and thankfully, Game Time has you covered with deals on tickets right up to the start of the event. So go ahead take the guesswork out of buying tickets to whatever event you're wanting to go to with game time, download the app, create an account and use code locked on college for $20 off your first purchase. Again, create an account, use code locked on college for $20 off terms apply download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, Coach, let's get right back into this. Now looking ahead, Carolina notches this win over Pitt, but they're still staring down the barrel of two straight road games at Clemson on Saturday at NC State on Wednesday of next week. Right now, both of which are quad one opportunities. Now, Coach, I know that you, as a good coach, don't often have the privilege of looking ahead. It's one game at a time, and we got to stay focused. Sure, I get that, and thank you for that. But you know what? I get to look ahead. And you, joining me on the podcast, you get to step out of coaching world and look ahead with me. So congratulations and welcome to the party. So, Coach, how does this win against Pitt help just keep moving the ball forward as you prepare for Clemson on Saturday?
1: Yeah, I think the big key that I would, if I'm coaching uh, Carolina right now, is we won. We won a tough road game. What did we do to get there? How did we do that? It was the defense, and it was the effort. It was the hustle plays. It was the 50-50 balls. It was making free throws. It was all the little things that we did. We didn't play great. Let's not get too happy about ourselves. Let's not (laughs) pat ourselves on the back. We didn't, I mean, look at the uh, field goal percentage. It was terrible. But look at the defensive field goal percentage. Look at the defensive three-point percentage. Everything there on the defensive end was fantastic. You want to win games on the road, especially in conference, it's got to be the defense and the rebounding. And I think he's just going to keep hammering that home, hammering that home and the offensive execution wasn't horrible we just didn't make shots we got some good looks they just didn't go in uh let's 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 see what we can do maybe to tweak the offense a little bit maybe get um you know a a little wrinkle here too but let's keep doing what we're doing at the defensive end and that will keep us in games and allow us to win those tough games on the road even in a place like clemson and especially nc state because i mean i get the feeling we hate them more right now than we do duke Uh, The rivalry is not the same, but with the actual hatred between the teams, hatred between maybe the the players, it just seems to be very, very different than uh, than it has in the past. I agree
0: with that. And I love to see it because it's like, it feels like that's, uh, you know, it it just brings back days of yore and, and that's what we're looking for. We've seen it bubble over in a big way on the football field in the past couple of years. And so, you know, Carolina is going to be champing at the bit to take care of business on the basketball court and coach that, I mean, let, let's talk about that because this was the first, the pit game was the first of six road games in January. And on paper, at least the first three of which are a lot more difficult than the second three, the Pitt, Clemson NC state. And then later on in January, Carolina travels to Boston college travels to Florida state and travels to Georgia tech. Of course, all of these games, none of them are played on paper. You actually got to go out and do it, but at least on paper, taking care of business now at Pitt, at Clemson at state gives you a little bit of breathing room to just start playing and really opening things up after that. So, how do you go about handling that messaging? I mean, because I know you can't look ahead. I know you can't say, "All right, this is going to be a little bit easier." We can let down, right? Like that can't be the message. So, so what do you do to keep the guys locked in and engaged on what's right in front of them? Yeah, one of the great things about being on the road is you're you're
1: together all the time. Mm. So there's no there's no families. There's no you know after the game and everybody kind of splits and go their own separate way. Um, so if you can can win two or three. Games early on the road and, and it, it does unify you in a way that maybe those wins at home, not quite the same because you're eating every meal together. You're on the bus together and plane together. You're just spending a lot more quality time together. Um, we did something today we like to do is um, when the guys shoot, try to split them up to somebody different. They're mm-hmm. not shooting with the same same person. They're not shooting with a roommate. They're not shooting with the guy that they see every day. So let's let's get connected with somebody else. Um, it's, it's interesting to watch and see who they eat with meals? Is it the same guys? Are they split up in different groups? Who's connecting? Who's the leader? Who's all those? And being on the road, that's when you really start to build some of those bonds that go beyond your little clique of guys. It's the whole group. It's the whole team. So I think this could be a really good stretch. could be a positive thing for us. And of course, the way the schedule is, if you're playing three in a row on the road, that means we're going to get some home games later. And uh, hopefully we get some momentum going early that will carry
0: on into some of those home games. Well, let's look at that, coach, because despite how difficult this stretch is, the front half of the ACC schedule is actually a lot, at least again on paper, a lot more manageable than the back half. Let's say that Carolina goes one and one in these next two games, the Clemson and NC State games. If they do that, there is a very real scenario in which they get to their first Duke game sitting at nine and one ACC play, because after that, it's home against Syracuse, Home against Louisville, good grief, you cannot lose that game. Then at Boston College, home to Wake Forest, who's playing really well right now. Transfer Hunter Shalas is a dude, third straight guard that Coach Forbes has brought in, man. He just keeps it going. Then at Florida State, at Georgia Tech. That's the end of the first half of ACC play. Coach, all of those are very winnable games for Carolina that they got to take care of. So that said, Duke is the game right after that. And again, there's a very real scenario in which the Tar Heels enter that nine and one in ACC play. What must they do to sail through that? What looks like a very manageable stretch uh, to wrap up the first half of ACC play? How do you handle that? Well,
1: yeah, I think the first thing from my perspective is everybody's got to stay healthy. And Mm -hmm. and that's something coaching wise, you you can do little things uh, to, you know, we're making our guys right now do mandatory ice baths tonight. After practice, we lift. They're mm-hmm. going to do man- mandatory ice. They get all that stuff at Carolina in a way. that. But those are things you really have to pay attention to, special, especially middle of January when, in a schedule like it is right now. you got to make sure that those guys are eating well, that they're sleeping well, that they're doing all this. Thing. Those are emphasis that you can do as a coach. Kids still have to do it themselves. They're the ones that have to buy into that. But the more that we emphasize that as a coaching staff, the more that they'll buy into it. But the, that momentum going, you know, game to game, that's when things really start to, to snowball in a positive way or a negative way, depending on how you're winning or losing. But once you get a couple wins, you feel like you're never going to lose. You get that kind of that, mm. that feeling of invincibility. And that's what we these first couple games in, in league, we've got to be able to win a couple of those tough games and be able to get that snowball started.
0: And a lot of that is critically important because then when you look at the back half of the schedule, you want you don't want to have taken on losses you shouldn't take because I tell you what, coach, that last 10 games, you got Duke twice, you got Miami twice, you host Clemson, you're at Virginia, that's six of the final 10 right there, that's not in order. But you've also got to go to Syracuse. You've never played Syracuse in the Red Autry era. You host Virginia Tech. You host NC State. Those aren't snoozer games. And the only game that on paper is quote-unquote easy is hosting Notre Dame at home. So you got to set yourself up well in the first 10 so that if you take on, you know, a loss or two or three in the back half, it's not going to hurt you. And so... I mean, coach, this is just taking care of game after game, after game, one at a time. As you look at that back half of the schedule, what would you say is a reasonable ACC record expectation?
1: I could see them reasonably being at that three or four loss come tournament time. Um, And that's maybe a little bit conservative because I still believe that they can win every game and, and and, and they're not going to fly through it. it. It, that's what ACC basketball is about it's just like SEC football every game is big every there's no snoozers everybody's got to play well and there are games that Carolina could play well and still lose uh, you, you mentioned the Wake Forest and they're I mean I coached against Steve Forbes he's a great coach and, and right. they're loaded right now and and you know they're just super dangerous uh, I coached against Kevin Keats and now you know of course NC State's very talented you got those Duke games so to if they Finish with that three or four losses, I, st- I still think that's first or second in the league because, uh, you know, Duke's got to play those same guys, too. Uh, so it's going to be very challenging throughout the uh, the whole season. But three or four losses, I think, would be uh, a, a really great season for, uh, for the Otario's.
0: And it certainly helps that Duke already uh, has an L in the loss column in the ACC and that it was against Georgia Tech. You will not be too upset about that. We're all smirking a little bit. All right, coach, as we always do, we got to have some story time where we're hearing about some great stories uh, from Carolina Summer Basketball Camp. And we're going to talk about not only a national champion today, but a world champion. And we'll get to that in just a second. Right after I tell you that this episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. Their app is really easy to use, and they've got a wide array of different betting options. Same game parlays. They've got a new explore tab to help you find bets. Or how about the ACC regular season odds? Duke still leads the way, plus 230, followed by Carolina, plus 270. Clemson has moved into third there at plus 390, followed by Miami at plus 650. But how about this? We just talked about Wake Forest. They are now tied with Virginia for the fifth best odds at plus 1100. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Oh man, it is a cold January day and nothing makes me happier than thinking about cozy enough to hear a nice little story from coach Bill Robinson, who is a two decade veteran of Carolina's summer basketball camp. And so he's working on a book of compiling all sorts of great stories from all of these years. And we're going to talk about somebody today that uh, a Tar Heel, a great Tar Heel that I don't believe we've talked about yet with story time. I'm ready to hear what coach has for us today.
1: Well, we've got two real quick stories today. The first one, uh, Coach Doug Moe, who's a longtime NBA uh, head coach and, and of course, uh, played at Carolina, great Tar Heel. Uh, He was working camp one year, uh, and he had eight eighth graders, eighth and ninth graders, in his gym. And at the end of the first day is move-up day. And so as soon as that first session ends, we go to the cafeteria, you find the the, uh, director of camp at that time, it was Bill Guthridge. And he walks into the cafeteria and goes, Coach Guthridge, Coach Guthridge, I got a kid that needs to move up. He needs to move up to the pros right now. Mo, that's four gyms. That's skipping four gyms ahead. He said, Coach, trust me, he can play at the pro level, even as an eighth grader. And he said, What's his name? Isn't it well? His name is James Worthy. <laughs> and they had they had James Worthy as a camper in eighth grade, and they moved him from the eighth grade group all the way to the high school group because he was already that talented, um, so that's the type of camp used to be like that. They had have tons of talent, and there wasn't these big time AAU programs. And the kids would just kind of, you know, go around all summer, go into those big time, you know, programs and go to camp. That's how these kids got recognized. And uh, a few years later, it was I think three or four years later, um, the main gym, which the pro gym, which at that time I think was in Carmichael, um, the kids were just having a hard time listening to the gym head and the only way to discipline him is the gym head said well we're just going to run if you guys aren't going to listen to me we're just going to run so they just start doing sprints they start doing suicides whatever the 33s that they did back then and dean smith walks in the gym to check on his gym and the the kids are just running 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 so he walks over to the gym head and says uh what are we doing here coach he said coach they wouldn't listen to me and uh, if they're not gonna listen we're just gonna run he said well you see that young man over there the real tall one yes sir he said uh He's the number one recruit in the country. His name's James Worthy. There'll be no more running today. Yes, sir. Yes, coach. Okay. <laughs> but Jim the, the had didn't know that he was, uh, you know, their number one recruit too. Obviously, if he's the number one player in the country. But uh, to have him stay there every year, he was in camp, and every year they wanted to, to to continue to keep their eye on him and make sure that James Worthy didn't disappear and go go somewhere else. But uh, camp has had unbelievable amount of kids. Chris Paul, you know, uh, his son was in camp last year. But It's funny how Chris Paul went to Wake Forest, but he has, sends his son to Carolina camp every year. Uh, so that's a pretty, pretty good sign of where Carolina ranks uh, when it comes to uh, the reputation of, of being a blue blood.
0: Man, yeah, apologies to Coach Forbes, but let's get Chris Paul's son to uh, Chapel Hill. That'd be a good thing. Oh, man, Coach, I mean, that that first story when he's in eighth grade, that's got to be like mid, mid early to mid-70s, somewhere in that range. Yeah, and
1: to have Doug Moe, who is a NBA head coach, working camp in the summer. That also shows that family connection that uh, even though those guys had time off in the summer, they still wanted to go back. And uh, and surf and be part of what that camp camp life was was like and just spend time with your old coach. I'm sure that that's what those night sessions were. They just sit down and, uh, you know, eat some eat some dinner and just talk X's and O's. And they all became better coaches just being able to spend time together.
0: I would love to see footage of eighth grade James Worthy playing in that high school gym. That, that would be a sight to behold. Well, sure as we all know. Sure.
1: Sorry, yeah. go ahead. I'm sure. I'm sure he already had a beard and mustache at uh at eighth grade too. It's hard to think of James Worthy without a beard and a mustache. That's right.
0: And boy, Carolina was able to haul him in, and we are all eternally grateful for that reality. What an unbelievable career he had, both in Chapel Hill and then obviously uh, in the NBA. A one of the best basketball players our world has ever known, and there he was in carolina's basketball camp in the summers you love to hear it coach thanks as always for sharing the stories love it so much i look forward to that every week and i know a lot of other people do too that's it for today's episode of locked on tar heels folks can't wait to join you again tomorrow we're gonna get ready for this epic uh top of the acc level matchup at clemson gotta 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 get this victory again we'll talk more about carolina's new defensive coordinator search and what that's going to mean we'll do all of that on friday if you want to join this community more join the locked on Heels discord the link for that's in the show notes you can email us locked on tarheels at gmail.com don't forget to subscribe to the show on video and audio platforms please if you would rate and review five stars talk about why you love show how great you think coach rob is if you're watching on youtube if you would smash the like button so we know you're here want to remind you it's always a great day to be a tar heel can't wait to talk tomorrow but until then peace